Glad you're with us. 33 days. I hope you are feeling the sense of real urgency because it is an all-hands-on-deck moment and a tipping point for the country. Your vote, your participation, it all matters. If you're not registered, we have a special information inter- informational interactive map on Hannity.com. You know, how do you register? Uh, when does early voting start? Um, what about absentee? If you're voting absentee this year, how do you do it? Who's voting? Who's your congressional candidate? Is there a Senate race that is important? There's certainly an important Senate race in Iowa with Joni Ernst and Martha McSally out in Arizona, I think is doing a great job along with Joni Ernst. Corey Gardner boldly, you know, has been a great representative for Colorado. He's got a very tough race himself, Alabama. Uh, you can right the wrong down there. I'm counting on Alabama to do that uh, for the country. Uh, John James in Michigan, another outstanding candidate. Uh, you got Purdue in, in Georgia, Tillis in uh, in North Carolina. You got Susan Collins. You may not always agree with her, but she's better than the alternative for sure. Uh, all of these races are going to matter. You know, again, Joe Biden was given an opportunity to answer a basic and a fundamental question. He refuses, steadfastly refuses to answer the question about whether or not he will pack the U.S. Supreme Court. Listen, if you're president, would you seek to increase the number of U.S. Supreme Court nominees? You know, that's exactly what they want me to talk about. So we don't talk about how they're violating the Constitution now. I'm not going to play Trump's game right now. My entire focus is seeing to it that the American people get a chance. The elections already started have their say in who the next Supreme Court justice is. And uh, that's what I'm focused on. How are they violating the Constitution now? The Constitution says that the American people, I taught constitutional law for over 20 years, says the American people get an opportunity to choose who they want in the Supreme Court by who they pick as their senator and their president. It's always appropriate for a president and a senator to the Senate to make a judgment, except once an election is started. People have already voted. They should wait to see the outcome of the election. And if the president's reelected, he should have his nominee heard. If he's not, I okay. should get the I can't take nominee. it anymore. He's not answering the question. Then he pivots to to the president. Twenty nine times in election, presidential election years, Supreme Court vacancies have occurred. All twenty nine times the presidents have nominated a a person to replace the the opening on the U.S. Supreme Court. There is nothing unprecedented about what Donald Trump is doing. What is unprecedented is having a presidential candidate that refuses to answer whether he supports packing and stacking the Supreme Court. That is unprecedented. That is not Donald Trump's game. How about telling the voters where you stand on a critical, important issue? Now, what he is hiding, Senator Chucky Schumer is not hiding as he was on MSDNC last night. I'm not busting my chops to become majority leader in the Senate to be stopped by a filibuster, meaning the legislative filibuster. Everything is on the table, which means not only packing the court, but that would mean D.C. and Puerto Rico statehood, the purpose of which is Democrats then think they will have a a a a never ending uh, supermajority in the U uh, in the United States Senate and control in perpetuity. 
And that means no more legislative filibuster. Joe is saying the stuff that Biden is hiding. Of course, Biden is going to pack the courts. He's going to do whatever they tell him to do because he's weak and frail. And we all know he's struggling cognitively. Listen. We are using all the tactics we can to slow the thing down. Would that include adding, if if the Senate uh, becomes a Democratic majority, adding D.C. and Puerto Rico as states and ending the filibuster? I would believe me on D.C. and Puerto Rico, particularly if Puerto Rico votes for it. D.C. already has voted for it and wants it. I'd love to make them states. And as for the filibuster, I didn't I'm not busting my my chops to become majority leader, to do very little or nothing. We are going to get a whole lot done. And as I've said, everything, everything is on the table. It is like they are are trying to intimidate the country and basically say, fine, if you do your constitutional duty, we will make it all, you know, as Levin had once called it, a post-constitutional America, which is what they are now saying they will do. On Tuesday, Trump kept demanding that Biden rejects all these progressive policies, and he did us a favor. Everyone claiming the vapors, it's all phony, feigned, you know, manufactured outrage by the most vicious, hostile uh, group that have, you know, all they've taken the gloves off for Trump for four years. It's been never ending hostility against Donald Trump. But now all of a sudden they're feigning outrage. They're they're offended. They are. They cannot believe that the president was so aggressive in the debate, but he did it in many ways kind of smoke out the Democrats, didn't he, in terms of where they stand? How does Joe Biden get away with not answering these fundamental questions about court packing, ending the legislative filibuster, D.C., Puerto Rico statehood? What else is he going to add to the list? What, a constitutional amendment to eliminate the Electoral College so that the Democrats remain in, in, in power in perpetuity? And that the Democrats then themselves are the ones that, you know, what, New York and New Jersey and Illinois and, uh, you know, California will then tell the country how to run the country. They'll decide how this country moves forward. Okay, well, how do you think that's going to end? It's not going to end well for the United States of America. That I can tell you. Americans are not going to be dictated to from California and New York on how to run this country. They won't accept that. It's uh, it's about as radical and extreme as I've been telling you. It is real. This is real. What they're saying they're going to do is real. He can run. He can hide from the Bolshevik Bernie manifesto that he agreed to in the new Green Deal that he says is he's going to take further than AOC's Green New Deal. But those are the lies that he told during the debate. You know, Biden is now I mean, this is the how phony this has all gotten. But Biden now is claiming the first debate was embarrassing for the country. Well, him hiding in his basement and being that weak, frail and and struggling as much as he is cognitively is is even more embarrassing for the country. And I'll tell you, it becomes a, a, to me a threat because there's nobody that's going to fear Joe Biden worldwide if he's the president of the united states but he's now saying oh i bet many kids parents took their their kids away from the television okay really joe Uh, go watch an old bugs bunny cartoon where you have uh, elmer fudd you know going after that wascally wabbit and shooting guns into rabbit holes a little bit violent there 
or the Roadrunner, Wiley Coyote, out there, you know, setting TNT off in every corner to try and kill the Roadrunner. Oh, these these are acts of violence. Uh, I think that uh, kids are, are pretty sophisticated that they'd... They, you know, they don't get the vapors and they don't get all freaked out by the things that the media mob is saying. There's been more hatred. There's been more bile and vile and visceral, just absolute horrid behavior by all of these institutions now aligned against Donald Trump. You've got to understand here the 99 percent of the mob, the media, what they have done, what they have said, the smears, lies, slander, besmirchment, libel. The never-ending every second-minute hour of every day since Donald Trump came down that escalator with Melania Trump. It has been never-ending hatred against this president. Never-ending conspiracy theories. Never-ending hoaxes. Never-ending attacks. The fact that Hillary manufactured this entire Russia narrative and that they knew about it before it even started and didn't stop it. And it was a means for her to distract away from her subpoenaed emails that she erased and the hard drives that she cleaned with like a cloth called bleach bit and the hammers to her devices is unprecedented. And James Comey claiming amnesia the whole time is a lie. Now, he did have to admit, knowing what he knows now, just like Sally Yates, just like Rod Rosenstein, he wouldn't sign any of the three FISA application warrants that he signed. Uh, we know we know from Andrew McCabe, we know from Sally Yates, we know from everybody that there was never any evidence of Trump-Russia collusion. The whole story was concocted by the Clinton team and, and this thrust this country into a, a never-ending you know, pit of hell for four years, what they put this country through. It's unbelievable. 47 years, what has Joe ever done to make things better for we, the American people? You cannot answer that question, Joe Biden. Now he doesn't want to he doesn't want to answer about court packing or about eliminating the Electoral College or D.C. and Puerto Rico statehood. Well, that tells me that's where he's headed. That's how I look at it. It's 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 breathtakingly scary if you if you pay attention to what is actually going on here. And, you know, oh, a real debate broke out. We're so offended. Well, what do we admire about our best athletes in this country? What do we admire about, you know, football players? You know, they, they take to the field. They know it's dangerous. They know their, their odds of injury are high, but they do it and they play the sport and the game. They're the gladiators of our time. We admire their athleticism. Or if you jump in the octagon and you're an ultimate fighter, same thing there. Or boxers, same thing there. You know, or hockey games, oh, Every time I've been to Madison Square Garden and a fight broke out during a hockey game, oh, the crowd absolutely hated it. Wrong. They love it. The crowd is animated, alive, and they love watching it. And we can sit here and sanctimoniously say we don't like it, but the fact of the matter is we do. Americans don't mind fighters. Now it's sort of like built for tough. Matt Towery sent me this idea today. You know, he's going to join us later with Scott Rasmussen, our poster. He goes, built Trump tough. Trump fights. Okay, so he fought. What did he do? He fought for the money for the border wall because the very people that supported it in the second term of Biden-Obama, they wouldn't give him the money for the wall they said they supported. He fought. He made America energy independent for the first time in 75 years, and we're now the world's largest producer of energy. He fought for that. He fought to eliminate the bureaucratic nightmare so businesses could function again in America. And he led 
that led us to the lowest unemployment level for every demographic group in the country in in history. You know, he fought hard to put the travel ban, the quarantines in effect. He fought hard to build out all the PPE that was necessary and every ventilator associated with coronavirus. He fought for Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh. Others would have ran from Kavanaugh. He's fighting now for this Supreme Court justice. He fought to lower your taxes. He fought for trade deals with Canada, Mexico, China, Japan, our Western European allies. He killed Soleimani. He took out the caliphate. He killed Baghdadi and associates. And he wiped out the al-Qaeda leader in Yemen. He fought for peace deals in the Middle East that nobody thought could happen. Okay, he's not. I guess he's a fighter. Guilty as charged. Built, as Matt was telling me today, Trump tough. Uh, do you think Joe can fight anything? It's like, you know, you take a feather and you're going to blow this guy over. He's weak, he's frail, and he's struggling cognitively. Everybody sees it. Nobody will tell you the truth. In 33 days, you better understand what is at stake here. I've warned everybody. I can't do anymore. There's only, I'm only one vote here. You get to decide. You are the ultimate jury. You're going to decide Pennsylvania. You're going to decide Florida. You're going to decide Georgia, North Carolina. You're going to decide Ohio. You're going to decide in Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, uh, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, New Hampshire, Nebraska, 2nd Congressional District, Maine, 2nd Congressional District. You will decide the future of this country. It is a tipping point election. You know, the more I think back to the debate from the other night, you know, you think back historically, Democrats, they, they, oh, the wimp factor. Remember that about George Herbert Walker Bush? By the way, he was not a wimp. He, you know, a kinder and gentler America. He obviously isn't Donald Trump either. I mean, America at different points, different periods at time and in history, you need different people to lead the country based on what their strengths are. Um, and, and I'm not sure the presidency, I mean, Obama was combative. Nobody ever seems to remember that. Uh, George W. Bush was really tough on John McCain in South Carolina in that primary when they were battling it out in 2000. I don't forget that after the 2000 election, post-election, you know, hanging, swinging, pimple, dimple, chads, uh, everybody was, you know, pretty tough. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not really sure why we would want a weak president. I don't want a weak president. I want somebody that is a fighter. I don't think one should apologize for fighting for the things that they believe in strongly in life and are, are fighting to fulfill promises. When when did that become a negative or a pejorative in in any way? The system is corrupt. The system is rigged. The swamp is real. The battles that we face, the evil in this world are real in every way, in every shape, in every manner, in every form. I mean, do we want do we want somebody weak, frail and and cognitively struggling, you know, or do we want somebody that is going to fight and beat the caliphate, beat terrorism that our enemies fear that fights for promises that he made to the American people, fight to rebuild the economy that he set records on or not. You know, you think about, you know, what do we think of the guys in Benghazi, 9-11-2012? When they were told to stand down, they said, hell no. They went to fight to save lives.
25 to the top of the hour, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? Look, everybody sees something, and we're not, I don't, you know, it's amazing that Joe Biden thinks he can go through this election cycle in his basement bunker hiding. He is frail. He is weak. He is struggling cognitively. There's there's not any dispute about any of that. No one, no, the mob can hide it all they want. You know, the world is is a mean, you know, I, I think back to the Rocky movie when he talks to his son. Uh, you, you know, he doesn't want his dad going in. It's going to embarrass me and it's going to embarrass you and it's going to be this and that. And he's and Rocky goes, you know, um, you know, nothing's going to hit. Uh, uh, hit you as hard as life itself, but it's not a matter of how hard you get hit. It's a matter of how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward forward keep moving forward every one of you listening to my voice has taken hits in your life it's called living life is not you know a box of chocolates life is is not sunshine cotton candy and rainbows real life is hard real life is tough and i don't care what socioeconomic background you might have I know very wealthy people that are beyond troubled. And I know I know people that are struggling just to survive. I've said many, many times on this program, I think some of the best thing that ha- one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life is struggling to pay my rent and struggling to survive and having 200 bucks in the old stone bank and and having to work every day. And, you know, falling off a roof nearly three stories and busting and dislocating my arm, but needing to get back to work as quickly, as expeditiously as possible. That I, I had no other choice. Now, we don't want our kids to struggle. My, I did not grow up as poor as my parents did. I didn't. I mean, I'm, I'm my parents grew up really, really poor. You know, my parents... You know, both my dad grew up in Bed-Stuy, poor. My mom in the South Bronx, poor. I I bet my my mom hated working her 16-hour shifts as a prison guard. I'm sure my dad would rather have relaxed on weekends instead of waiting tables for Carl Hoppel for many years as he did, placed in Long Island, and then being a family court probation guy. But they still, they progressed from where they started, and they were proud of their accomplishments. You know, you does anybody think life is easy? No. And by the way, if you do anything in life that's successful, anything that's hard, anything that is worthwhile in life is hard to do. You know, what was the name of the guy that we sent to the trucking school? And I made a deal with him. Um, oh, more than that. We play. What's his name? Tavares. We'd always play the song more than I made a deal with him. I said, OK, you want to improve your life? He just had a baby, wasn't happy with his career. I sent him to trucking school, and he kept his end of the bargain. And last time he checked in, he's kicking ass, and he's doing really well. One of the more organic things that ever happened on this show is I mentioned that if I didn't have money, I saw the Balkans were, were thriving at the time, and, and the oil fields were thriving in Texas and, and Oklahoma. And frankly, thank God we're now energy independent because – 
We're less dependent on foreign oil, meaning they can't drive down the prices. The very reason that they manipulated the markets, in my humble opinion, meaning like the Saudis and the Russians, was because they wanted to drive the price of oil up and they wanted to make it financially unsustainable for American oil companies to get the oil out of and oil and energy out of the ground. Now we're bypassing all of that. We're the world's number one producer of energy. I mean, this world is tough. When did we when did we become the America that apologizes for being strong, apologizes? You know, we are the strongest, toughest country on the face of this earth. And we better always remain that way because I don't trust the Russians. I don't trust the Chinese. I don't trust the Iranians. I don't trust a lot of these terrorist organizations, radical Islamists. You know, look at the history. Last century, 100 million human souls murdered in the name of some ism, communism, Nazism, fascism. Now it's radical Islamism, like 9-11, 2001. You know, when, when did Americans become apologetic for being fighters? I'm not sure I understand that part, because I look at the world today, and I don't really want a weak frail president um, that really is going to live his presidency caring about what his legacy or his image to the media mob is. Oh, he's such a nice man. Weakness incurs aggression. The China, you know, China is not being particularly nice to the world. They need somebody that is going to put fear into them. There's that. Yeah. Fear that word. What do you mean? You want to start a, a war with China? No, I don't. I want peace with China. Just like, yeah, I don't trust Putin. He's a hostile actor, and it's a hostile regime he's running. And tyrannical at that. And just like so many other parts of the world where people don't live free, you want to maintain freedom, you better be strong and you better be tough. You know, really, we, how do you pursue happiness if we don't get tough and restore law and order? So that citizens in every town and every city can be safe and secure. Um, how do we, you know, how do we build economic growth? Well, you get tough and you get rid of the burdensome bureaucracy and the big foot of 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 Washington, literally, you know, stomping out any possibility of building even a you know, a, a, a manufacturing center in this country, which is how it ended with Biden and Obama because they gave in to climate change alarmism to the extent that the, the climate accords, the Paris climate accords. OK, so we're going to allow countries to be classified like India and China as developing nations so that we pay the bulk of monies when, in fact, our carbon emissions went down in 2019 significantly. Do we not need law and order in every city, in every state, in every town? I think we do. Well, you're going to need somebody that's going to be tough enough to take on the anarchists and take on these radical groups. I don't care what their name is, but if they're not allowing people to pursue happiness, they've got to be stopped. I want somebody tough enough that's going to say we are a country of law and order and respect our borders, respect our boundaries, respect our laws, respect our sovereignty. And if you go through the process and you do get into the country after we can do background checks and health checks and make sure you can sustain yourself so you're not a financial burden on the American people, then, then welcome to our family. The president never said he was against immigration. 
You know, I want somebody that's going to fight for big business, small business, to create jobs, to bring manufacturing back to the, the country, as, as the president had successfully been doing. Somebody that doesn't really give a flying rip that, the, that China might get angry, that we put a travel ban in effect. And, you know, Joe Biden more concerned through the end of March about, well, they're going to think we're xenophobic and that we're fear mongering and hysterical. Well, China put their own travel ban in effect. They didn't they put a travel ban in effect from Wuhan to any other part of China. They put a travel ban for the rest of China so nobody could go into Wuhan province. But meanwhile, they left the there's no travel ban out of Wuhan province and they let the entire world get subjected to this virus as a result of their selfishness. And yeah, I want a president that is tough to aggressively develop the therapeutics and the vaccine that ultimately will eradicate this, quote, invisible enemy. You know, we, that's what America needs here. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not exactly a Prius guy. I'd, I'd rather have a Ford truck. You know, I think Matt Towery's onto something here. You know, built Ford tough, built Trump tough. Okay, the president's tough. What do you want? Do you want a weak president? Next, if you had a weak president, you know, who could withstand the incoming that this president has taken from the day he came down the escalator? I didn't know that Americans, you know, that the, the vapors, the vapors. What is that? Stop saying what? No, I'm telling everybody that Matt told me. Matt's going to join us in the next hour. Yes, I know. But I will tell you, all of this is, and we want a president, a presidential candidate that's hiding in his basement bunker. That get, you know, he he melted because Donald Trump interrupted him and was aggressive in a debate, and we're supposed to all act like we're so offended by all of this. This is a fight for the soul of the country, ladies and gentlemen. This is real, your country. This is a real fight, and that real fight bubbled over onto that debate stage. And I'm not going to feign that I was offended or outraged because I wasn't. So many people, oh, the same people that have done nothing but attack this president. Hollywood, what? Madonna? I think an awful lot of blowing up the White House. I don't remember the feigned outrage over that. I don't remember the feigned outrage over Kathy Griffin, really. And the severed head or Johnny Depp saying, when's the last time an actor assassinated a president? I don't see the media mob apologizing for dragging the country through hell with their lies and conspiracy theories and their hoaxes, as they should, because they were dead wrong. I don't see them outraged over Hunter Biden and his connection to Russian oligarchs and Ukrainian oligarchs and all the wire transfers or Joe's real quid pro quo. You're not getting a billion till you fire the prosecutor that's paying my zero experience on Hunter Millions. Or the hunters deal with the Bank of China for $1.5 billion. Spare us the vapors. Spare the country your phony indignation and your phony feigned outrage that you're giving us every second of the day. You've been nothing but disgracefully, disgustingly dishonest and repulsive in what you've done to this country. On a daily basis, there's been nothing but vile, uh, repulsive, unprecedented attacks against the president, his family, and his supporters. And now I know you're all aligned and you're all donating your money and they're all lining up and they're pretending that Joe Biden isn't weak, frail and, and struggling cognitively. That's not true either. 
It's okay that you spread the Russia conspiracy hoax? How much hypocrisy can you take on? We're supposed to believe you really cared about Russian interference when Hillary paid for a, a dirty Russian misinformation dossier and the FBI, we now know, knew that the, the subsource or the source for Christopher Steele was a, a known Russian operative for a decade ahead of time. They knew Hillary manufactured the thing and they still op- were not concerned about the the premeditated fraud on a FISA court denying Americans uh, their constitutional rights, civil liberties, spying on a presidential candidate and a president. We're not outraged about that. We're not, we're not outraged about Hillary's obstruction of justice with her emails. We're not outraged about the quid pro quo with Joe. It's OK to compare Trump to Hitler. You know, it's it's daily on a daily basis. Refer to him as insane accuse him of plotting a, a civil war when he's when he's repeatedly 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 condemned david duke by name the kkk by name white nationalism by name you just ignore it you allow the other candidate to accuse him of never condemning these groups it's a lie and we've got the tapes to prove all of this what are moral superiors in hollywood with their own you know, armed security and their own private jets and their big carbon footprints. They're going to now lecture everybody on civility. It's all, it's all bull. They're all phony liars. How did being polite work out for Romney and McCain and George W. Bush? They brutalized these men. And I know because I covered them. All this niceties, the decorum, the BS... You know, why don't you shut the hell up? I'd like to take you out in the back, back in the old days, and then have it out and have a fist fight. Oh, we forget that part. What, now we're going to civility surrendering our our rights to the swamp? Civility is about electing a weak and a frail and a cognitively compromised uh, candidate. Civility is about having amnesia about the conspiracy theories they all manufactured and the lies that they peddled. Are you kidding me? Civility is what ultimately for them giving into the mob and the false promises of radical socialism, a radical Green New Deal, packing the courts, eliminating the Electoral College, statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico. But they're not going to tell us ahead of time. Thirty three days. You get it? There's a lot at stake. Yeah, well, Hannity, you sound awfully serious today. Yeah, I am serious because I can't tell you how this election is going to turn out. You'll make that decision. You're the ultimate jury. All right, 33 days, hour two. You are the ultimate jury, and you get to make the final decision. Biden is out there now lying every day. We've gone over a lot of Biden's lies in the last two days that he told in the debate. The biggest one, he keeps out going out there and saying that Donald Trump has never condemned David Duke, the KKK, white supremacists. He's lying. It is an outright lie. We have the uh, video and audio proof. Here's the audio. Have you ever heard this president say one negative thing about white supremacists? How many times do I have to reject? I've rejected David Duke, rejected David Duke. Uh, I've rejected the uh, KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. That's the reason I got back in this race, because what happened in Charlottesville. People coming out of the woods, carrying torches, their veins bulging. Close your eyes and remember what you saw. And a young woman gets killed resisting the hate and violence. And the president gets asked to come in. And what's he say? He says they're very fine people on both sides. 
who had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? You wouldn't even condemn David Duke, for God's sake. When you say the party is self-destructing, what do you see as the biggest problem with the Reform Party right now? Well, you've got David Duke just joined. A bigot, a racist, a problem. I mean, this is not exactly the people you want in your party. You know why they don't? Because they don't want to pick it up. They pick it up, you pick it up, everyone else picks it up. You saw simultaneously, practically at the same time. They don't want to pick it up. And one of the questions, that question was asked and I rejected it there. That news conference was like a day before. You so said, I, I said to myself, how many times do I have to reject or disavow? Let me ask you this question. What about the, David Duke is saying to his supporters and followers, vote for Donald Trump. White supremacists are saying, vote. For, do you want those votes? No, I don't want them and I don't want him to say it. I can't help if he says it, if he says it, but I don't want it and I don't, I, if he says it, John, if he says it, he says it, okay? Do I want it? No. How many more times does Joe Biden just to get a, get to go out there and lie as we have chronicled all those lies? Anyway. All right. So it's 33 days. We have our pollsters back. Uh, Matt Tower, he's syndicated columnist, uh, attorney, uh, Scott Rasmussen, pollster, and uh, also the host of The Number of Day, a new podcast on justthenews.com. Both joining us here. Uh, welcome back to the program. All right. Where do you see the race post first debate? Matt Towery. Well, I, I see it as being in flux. Um, certainly, the the debate was a controversial one, and I think I said on your show, uh, Sean, uh, several weeks ago, that Donald Trump would be debating the moderator, and that's exactly what happened. Because I felt like he was debating two people up there, not just Joe Biden, but but Chris Wallace. But I, but I do believe that um, uh, the people who think that that debate was such a disaster for, for Trump and that this way it's being uh, they're spending it in the media are wrong. I think that it reinforced Trump as a strong individual with his core base. And I think if you go back and you, there's some post polls out, CNN has one right now showing that somehow uh, Biden just clobbered him. But I went back and looked at all of these debate polls over the years. Do you know that if you take all the major debate polls together, every single one of them had the Democrat winning with the exception of Ronald Reagan one time in 1984 and one very close one between Mitt Romney and Obama. Every single poll showed by large numbers the Democrat won. That's not the way it turned out at the poll. So I don't think this debate had an effect in a negative way for Trump. And I think we're going to come right down to the water. Actually, the only two that I saw that went for Biden was CBS and CNN uh, between WGN. It was 61 percent Trump, 66 percent Telemundo. And there are a few others that came out, snap polls, but they are what they are. Scott Rasmussen, your take. Well, you know, a lot of Republicans expected that Joe Biden would just collapse on stage and disqualify himself in this debate. And that obviously didn't happen. Uh, and bluntly, one reason that uh, Joe Biden didn't uh, pro- may not have had a worse debate is because he didn't get enough chance to speak. I think the president should encourage Joe Biden to speak more in the next debate. Uh, I'm with Matt. I, I don't think the fallout will be anything like what we're hearing from it. Uh, in fact, Immediately after the debate on Fox Nation, I talked about the fact I think the polls might tighten a little bit, uh, not because of, of any of the stuff that's being talked about in the media, but because President Trump 
did get some issues onto the onto the table that are not being talked about. He did get to talk about fracking. He did get to talk about some of the contradictions uh, with Joe Biden. And I think those things will help on the margins. And I think Joe Biden's comments about he is the Democratic Party uh, will cause him a little bit of trouble. But he Having ran into that, other trouble. I mean, well, I think it's a really but, dangerous idea. Um, and by the way, now they're actually out there saying it. Um, in terms of him not willing to answer, being willing to answer a simple question about packing the court. And Chuck Schumer is, I'm not busting my chops to become a majority leader. Uh, he's quoted as saying in the Senate to be stopped by the filibuster. Everything is on the table. No more filibuster. D.C., Puerto Rico statehood. Uh, and then also packing the courts. Um, there's a reason why that. Joe Biden won't answer it because he does support it. And I think it's becoming obvious more and more every day, Matt Towery. And I think that is an issue. It is an issue. I think you're absolutely right. But let me tell you what the big issue to me is. That debate is a golden opportunity for the Trump campaign. Uh, You mentioned I'm a lawyer. Yes, I'm a lawyer also. And I happen to know one of the great trial lawyers in America. This guy wins in every courtroom he goes into. He's a defense lawyer. His name is John Hall. He has a southern accent. He has a southern style. He may be in Mississippi, Alabama, New Jersey, New York. He doesn't change his style. You know why? He said he's got to be true to himself. We've got to let Donald Trump be true to himself. So I have one request to your listeners. Go to your Facebook page today, sometime today, and just say, we need a president who has built Trump tough, just like the Ford pickup truck built Trump tough because that's exactly what he is. And he was tough in that debate. And instead of making it a liability, everyone needs to understand he's pointing out the things like the packing of the court. By the way, you notice no one followed up on that and forced Biden to give an answer. Biden had no answer whatsoever. What do you think a moderator would do if Trump didn't have an answer? They would jump down his throat. But because Donald Trump has built Trump tough, he's able to stand in there. And I think it's going to turn out from a liability, which I think the media thought it was after the debate, and it's going to turn into the strongest theme of this campaign, a strong presidential candidate against a weak presidential candidate. It's a powerful argument, Scott Rasmussen. Yes, and I think it also feeds into the, I I believe that Joe Biden made the same mistake that Hillary Clinton did four years ago, in which he simply assumes that not being Donald Trump is enough. He didn't talk much about any issues for some of the reasons that Matt outlined, and also because he really just has such contempt for the president. He assumes all Americans do, um, and he didn't think about it. Polling after and research after the election in 2016 found something that shocked all the pundits and commentators, and that is that Donald Trump talked more about issues than Hillary Clinton did, and that happened in this last debate. Uh, I do think the president turned off and offended some of his suburban voters, and and he's going to have to uh, you know address that a little bit. But Matt is right in talking about it. Not anywhere near the perception we're seeing in most of the uh, media commentary today. You know, it it just is fascinating to me, the parallels that I see from uh, 2016 to today. Um, But the reality is that for any Republican to win the presidency, you got to run the table. The table is Florida, Georgia. It's North Carolina. It is Ohio. No Republicans ever made it to the White House without Ohio. You, you got to win Iowa. You got to win Arizona. You got to fight for Nevada and New Mexico. Then you got to pick off Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, fight for New Hampshire, fight for Nebraska, Congressional District 2, fight for Maine, Congressional District 2. So it's always a fight 
Where do you see the the most opportunity for the president in in those areas, in those states that matter the most, Matt? I see it in the the theme I was just talking about. Look, the people who live in these suburbs are concerned because they see unrest right down the street. I mean, I've seen it in my own community where I live. These are issues where we're not seeing leadership. And I get back to this built Trump tough. Someone's got to take control of the situation, and I think the voters will come down to believing that Donald Trump, no matter what his style is, is strong enough to take control of them. There's not an individual in Michigan or Pennsylvania or in the areas of Florida that are up for play who don't want someone to lead uh, when it comes to uh, civil unrest, who don't want someone to lead to keep the businesses open. I mean, goodness gracious, Florida, by the way, you would never know this, has the lowest infection rate it's had in months. Do you know what Florida also has? It has virtually every business open, every restaurant open, everything is open in the state of Florida. Now, if we had followed uh, Joe Biden's uh, leadership, we'd still be shut down. And Florida now has a thriving economy coming back big time, Georgia as well, I might add, because they had the courage to open up. So it's going to take leadership to get through all this. And I just think the presentation the president had in that debate is true to himself. And it's time for the Republicans to quit trying to gloss over and say, oh, we got to win the suburbs. we got to walk on eggshells. You can't walk on eggshells in the middle of a pandemic and a racial strife in a nation that's on the verge of, of having a war with each other. you got to have a leader who gets things under control. And I think that's what President Trump has to present himself as in this last four weeks. You know, I made the case um, on this program earlier today, and I made it on TV last night and on this show yesterday. Everybody feigns, oh, they all get the vapors. Oh, they're all so upset. Oh, they're, they're, they're outraged. Donald Trump fights. But they've been manufacturing more hatred, more, more resentment, more vile, repulsive attacks, mostly unfair, as we now know. It was all contrived four years of conspiracy theories. Uh, and attacks uh, against Donald Trump, but they're gonna—they're offended that Donald Trump fights back. I mean, I don't believe their phony, feigned outrage, Scott Rasmussen, and nor do I think the American people are that fragile that they're afraid of a fight or a battle. I don't think the American people are afraid of a fight. Uh, I think they do want someone who's going to stand up and show leadership. Uh, what what is happening with the media commentary right now? And you played it in the clip at the beginning. Uh, there is a concerted effort to draw attention to President Trump's comments or the perceived or stated lack of comments denouncing white supremacy and things. And the reason they're doing that is if the focus is on civil rights and and Donald Trump is that's just never been a good issue for him, uh, Democrats do a little bit better. The minute the shift the the issue shifts to law and order. It is advantage Trump. And when he starts talking about the problems in the cities, 45% of voters nationwide are worried that violence is coming to their cities. The president is talking about those issues. That's where he wins. And that's where Joe Biden does not want the conversation to go. We'll continue more with pollsters Matt Towery, Scott Rasmussen. Miranda Devine wrote an incredible column uh, about her take on the debate uh, Tuesday night. Very, very, very insightful. Ted Cruz is with us today. As we continue, our pollsters are with us. Matt Towery, Scott Rasmussen. All right, I always get into this question. With 33 days away, the American people, well, they they are the ultimate jury in this. Uh, How do you see this playing out? And you can factor in all these issues of fraud and changing laws and rules and in terms of elections. Uh, Scott Rasmussen, where do you see this going? 
Well, my last polling just before the debate uh, showed that uh, Joe Biden was ahead by six points. If there's a strong Republican turnout, and look, none of us are really able to gauge turnout as precisely as we'd like, especially in a pandemic. Strong Republican turnout shows Biden up by just two points. That's just like it was in 2016. If that happens, if there is a big Republican turnout, we are not going to know who the president is until Thanksgiving because of all the problems with mail-in votes, especially in places that aren't used to counting them, places like Pennsylvania that are critical states. Um, If it's not that close, then we'll know a little bit sooner. And the key states to watch, Florida and Pennsylvania. Wow. Matt Towery. Well, I totally agree with everything that Scott said, including getting up to Thanksgiving. Um, I believe Florida will go for Trump. I'm here. I'm on the ground. He's been pummeled by ads by Biden, but I still think he's holding his own, and there's going to be a tremendous turnout. Pennsylvania is going to be up in the air, but we'll see what happens. I still think he can win there, too. I just say once again, the final theme has to be be true to yourself, Donald Trump. You can't gloss. You can't you can't act like you're going to change etiquette. You're going to take etiquette lessons in the last four months or weeks. Rather, you got to be. So so there's a chance that we can that America would elect a frail, weak, cognitive, cognitively compromised candidate in Joe Biden. There's a chance. Not as long as the campaign explains that Donald Trump, like the Ford, is built Trump tough. I believe that suburban voters will even adhere to that because they'll realize that what they don't like in the president's style, they like in his delivery. Scott, respond to that quickly. Sean, one of the big things that we don't know is this mail-in vote. Among voters who are going to show up and vote in person on Election Day, Trump is up by 20 points. Among people who are going to vote early in person, Biden is up by low double digits. But among mail-in voters, people who are going to mail in their ballots, Biden leads by 51 points, 5-1. If those people actually turn in their ballots, if they show up in huge numbers, uh, the president cannot win, assuming they fill the ballots out properly and everything gets done. The question is, will they show up? All right. I hope hope everybody's listening. Everybody, uh, don't wake up the morning after the night before and wish you did more. All right. Scott Rasmussen, uh, Matt Towery, thank you. 800-941-SEAN. The president will be on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, on the Fox News Channel. We'll be discussing the debate and uh, much more. Miranda Devine wrote an incredible column. She'll join us next. Ted Cruz joins us today. And your call is 800-941-SEAN as we continue. All right. Suit up, ready for battle. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Um, I'm not the only one that has pointed out that this, oh, the vapors. Oh, I'm so upset. Oh, I am so, so offended. I mean, Literally, you had dopey Joe Biden going out there yesterday saying it's embarrassing for the country. How many people took our children away from the television? Uh, How many parents took their kids away from the television uh, so they wouldn't see the violence erupting all over the country that Joe wouldn't condemn or even mention in the DNC? Is that now the standard? Has anyone watched an old edition of, uh, let's see, cartoons like Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd? Uh, I'm going to get the Waskily Wabbit. You know, are you seriously? A little bit violent as he's shooting guns into rabbit holes to kill Bugs Bunny. A little violent with Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner. Uh, gee, our kids are, what, they've become little pumpkins and, and so fragile little children that they can't even, you know, ascertain that there's sometimes in life occasionally disagreement, argument, conflict. 
Do they watch football on Sunday? Do they watch boxing matches? Do they watch the uh, the octagon ever? Do they? I mean, I mean, it's so phony. Ever see a hockey game where a fight breaks out, or a hockey game where you know playing breaks out? Depends on what which way you want to characterize it. Um, listen to the feigned phony media outrage that we've been hearing. Now, this was the most chaotic presidential debate I've ever seen, and I suspect most of you, if not all of you, have ever seen. Well, that was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. That was the worst debate I have ever seen. In fact, it wasn't even a debate. It was a disgrace. Um, And it's primarily because of President Trump. But I can tell you one thing for sure. The American people lost tonight because that was horrific. You just took the words out of my mouth. Um, You used some high-minded language. I'm just going to say it like it is. That was Show. This was a disaster, and it was a it was a firebombing of our democracy. In the most unpresidential debate ever, it is hard to find the words to describe what we saw on that debate stage last night. Well, one word comes to mind. How about disgrace? Mm-hmm. It was an absolute disgrace. It was a mockery of a presidential debate, an insult to our democracy. This was a disaster. It is already being called the worst debate in modern history. Any substance was completely overshadowed by the president's interrupting. The Trump campaign is trying to say that the president put in a strong performance. The RNC went so far as to say, quote, President Trump made a confident, commanding and compelling case for his reelection. But Robin, nobody really believes that. Amazing disgrace. The first presidential debate of the season descends into chaos, insult, interruption and confusion. A lot of words being used by Republicans and Democrats alike to describe none of it good, embarrassing, disgraceful, train wreck. This thing quickly deteriorated. A debate focused on the highest office in the land, reaching a new low. An angry President Trump repeatedly ignoring the rules, the facts, and often the moderator. One candidate came to debate. The other came to take a meat cleaver to one of our most cherished traditions in this country, the presidential debate. I do think the Commission on Presidential Debates has to look in the mirror and decide, do you have a kill button? If the president is going to do what he did last night over and over again, seems to me somebody's got to turn off the microphone. Clearly from the responses in the polling, um, the president was so much more uh, responsible for that annoyance that people felt. So if there was a winner, it was Joe Biden, who, again, if you look at the chaos and the mayhem and the unpleasantness of uh, last night, the largest share of it was the result of the president's behavior. I think an awful lot of blowing up the White House, Madonna, Johnny Depp. When's the last time an actor uh, assassinated a, a president? Kathy Griffin uh, severed heads. Four years of never-ending lies, conspiracy theories, the most repulsive characterization of a president, a never-ending assault from the day that Donald Trump and Melania Trump came down that escalator at Trump Tower. And now we're supposed to believe fake Jake uh, Tapper over at Fake News CNN that a friend's sixth-grade daughter, she burst into tears and had to run to bed. She was so appalled by Trump's behavior. I'm not buying it. They're lying. It's feigned, phony outrage by people have been the by the very people that have been the most divisive who've used the most coarse language repulsive hatred every second minute hour of every day from the mob in the media to democrats all the way through their hollywood uh, big donor buddies 
Anyway, Miranda Devine picked up the same observations that I did uh, about all this, wrote a terrific column in the New York Post about it. How are you, Miranda? Hi, Sean. What a great roundup you have of all their hyperventilating. Just they're such hypocrites, honestly. You know, the, these are the same people who, as you say, uh, they complain that President Trump tramples norms. And what have they been doing for the last four years but smashing norms? Uh, you know, they have been quite fine about perpetrating this lie that about President Trump and Russia and, you know, the FBI and the CIA go in there and they, they try and strangle the presidency at birth. And yet all these phony media mouthpieces are quite just apoplectic about the fact that President Trump interrupted Joe Biden. Uh, you know, I mean, that's the thing. And, and by the way, what are we looking for here? You know, Matt Towery is a good friend of mine, and I was just on in the last half hour. He said, you know what? How about they run a whole ad campaign, Built Trump Tough, sort of like a play on the Built Ford Tough campaign that they've had. Okay, do we want somebody that, that fights? Uh, and with all due respect to Biden, uh, you know, Biden's been hiding and cowering in his basement bunker, and, and it keeps, we're talking about the most weak, fragile, cognitively challenged candidate I've ever seen in my life, and nobody can even talk about it. The media mob ignores it completely, allows him, facilitates him hiding in his basement bunker. They ask him no tough questions. We didn't even get an answer about stacking or packing the courts. We didn't get an answer on ending the legislative filibuster. We didn't get an answer on very, you know, on other key things like, you know, eliminating the electoral college. He won't answer these questions, Miranda. He won't. Sean, and including, uh, you know, whether or not he wants to make Puerto Rico a state. You know, they're trying to stack out Congress. Um, and it's also such hypocrisy because the real insults, the schoolyard insults from Joe Biden, he called the president a liar, a fool, a clown, a racist, a coward, stupid. He kept on telling him to shut up and shush. It, it, that was... I mean, if, if parents are worried about their children getting a bad role model on television, uh, Joe Biden's behavior was appalling. But, you know, it's all the give and take. President Trump took it in his stride, but it's an insult to the presidency. And what, what President Trump managed to do was goad uh, Joe Biden quite successfully into losing his temper and using those schoolyard insults, uh, insults and sort of forcing him to fight in the gutter and stop pretending that he's a nice guy. And because the media is not asking um, Joe Biden any of the tough questions, because they're allowing him to hide in his basement and not do difficult interviews, um, and no one says a word about it, he gets away with not answering the questions. So, you know, if anybody is going to vote for Joe Biden, they have no idea what they're voting for. We, we can tell because of the people behind him and the radical policies that they put up. We can tell because of his obvious cognitive decline. But he's not being upfront and honest and transparent. He, on that debate stage the other night, when and only when President Trump pushed it, when he was asked to condemn Antifa, he refused. He said that Antifa is just an idea. No one mentions that. And here is the left. You know, we've seen these murderous riots, this violence, foul language being sprayed at police officers just trying to do their job. And... Um, and the, the, the left is absolutely beside themselves because 
Donald Trump interrupted and was aggressive towards Joe Biden on the debate stage because he had to debate not just Joe Biden, but the moderator as well. You know, I just I just think, are they really that out of touch with who they are? Because what they have done, the things they've said, the lies they've told, the slander they've they've advanced over these last four plus years, are they really, you see, to me, it's just either they're totally delusional, out of touch with themselves, cognitively struggling in their own way, um, or they just don't care about any basic fundamental or simple truth. But it's it seems, Miranda, and you're a pretty smart observa- uh, observer of the political system, that if you watch closely, it's every major institution from the Democratic Party and establishment, uh, even the Republican weak establishment and the media mob, the 99 percent. We are the you know one percent that actually take a different position uh, to the Hollywood elites. They are all mobilized, fully engaged to help elect a weak, frail, cognitively struggling Joe Biden. And they don't care what extreme positions he takes. No, because they want to get rid of President Trump. This is the power elite on both parties. They are combining with, as you say, the the rest of the establishment power blocks from the media to corporations. They want to get rid of President Trump because he and only he has been able to combat the dirty left, push back against the progressive agenda. All the genteel Republicans like Mitt Romney uh, through history have just gone along to get along. And so here we have now President Trump, the first president in 39 years who has not embroiled America in another wasteful foreign war. Um, He gets no credit for that. And he gets no credit for all the achievements he's made and for keeping his promises. But he does get credit out there in flyover country, out there in the real America. And I think you say, you talk about these media people and say, well, don't they realise how they come across? And they kind of don't because within their own little bubble, within the Beltway, within the media New York bubble, all their friends are the same. They're just conforming with the reigning orthodoxy. And they don't care about people in Pennsylvania and Ohio and West Virginia, where I've just spent the last week driving around. And, and you know, the thing that the people in on the ground in Pennsylvania, I talk to a lot of people, just ordinary people. I'll tell you what, I want you to hold that thought, because I want you to pick up from these, these states, flyover country, as we call it, the Midwest, and where you think this election is ultimately going in 33 days. I, I don't know. My answer is, I don't think anybody can tell us right now how this is going to all end i don't know and that's why i'm telling everybody you got to act like you're six points down it's it's two minutes left in the game you're on your own 20 you have no timeouts you got to drive the ball down 80 yards cross the plane and kick the extra point if you want to win if you don't have that level of urgency then i don't think you have a chance to win but you know i'm irish i'm i'm you know i don't exactly uh, have the optimism of others all right as we continue miranda divine is with us new york post uh, columnist uh you know she's not buying the feigned outrage of the left uh, in this country over the debate all right so you said you've been driving all over the country i i think it's always hard for any republican to win the presidency what are you seeing and what do you predict in the minute we have left 
Look, Biden has an obvious enthusiasm problem. You see it at any any event that he goes to uh, outside the basement. There's hardly anyone there. You always have Trump supporters outnumbering any Biden people who are there. Um, he has a, he has a turnout problem. That's what an enthusiasm problem is. And I spoke to Matt Warner, who's the Secretary of State for West Virginia. Um, he told me that uh, that registrations had new voter registrations last Tuesday, and you had Republicans outnumbering Democrats two to one. Um, you, you, you know, you have the same story in Pennsylvania. All the registrations are trending Trump. And these, you know, Pennsylvania is a Democrat state. I mean, it's been a blue state until it was narrowly won by President Trump in 2016. And from judging from the people I spoke to on the ground, they say they are more inclined to vote for him this time because he kept his promises. That was the number one thing people in Ohio, West Virginia and Pennsylvania said about President Trump. He kept his promises. Well, uh, Miranda, I'm glad you're not a phony. I'm tired of these people acting, feigning phony outrage when they've been the most obnoxious, uh, repulsive and aggressive uh, against Donald Trump than anybody else. Anyway, Miranda Devine, thank you. Uh, New York Post, 800-941-SHAWN is on number. When we come back, Senator Ted Cruz in Texas. Uh, we'll talk to him about the campaign, the Democrats, and uh, how important the Supreme Court is straight ahead. All right, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the uh, program. This, the tipping point election of our lifetime, 33 days. It's not me, it's you, the American voter, the American people. You will make the ultimate decision. Uh, just listen to Joe Biden. Again, He yesterday he said again he won't answer the question about packing the courts. If you're president, would you seek to increase the number of U.S. Supreme Court nominees? You know, that's exactly what they want me to talk about, so we don't talk about how they're violating the Constitution now. I'm not going to play Trump's game. Right now, my fo- entire focus is seeing to it that the American people get a chance, the election's already started, to have their say in who the next Supreme Court justice is. And uh, that's what I'm focused on. How are they violating the Constitution now? The Constitution says that the American people, I taught constitutional law for over 20 years, says the American people get an opportunity to choose who they want in the Supreme Court by who they pick as their senator and their president. It's always appropriate for a president and a senator to make the Senate to make a judgment, except once an election has started. People have already voted. They should wait to see the outcome of the election. And if the president's reelected, he should have his nominee heard. If he's not, I should get to pick that nominee. That's not how it works, Joe. He was already duly elected. Uh, well, the book couldn't be any more timely. And Ted Cruz is with us. He's now just released just this week a brand new book. The Supreme Court uh, is only one vote away from erasing constitutional freedoms it's called one vote away how a single supreme court seat can change history senator welcome uh, to the program i understand you met with amy coney barrett yesterday sean it's it's, it's great to be with you uh, I, I did i sat down with judge barrett yesterday had had a very good meeting spent about 45 minutes at the capitol with her and, and i will say she's very very impressive uh, uh, we all know about her impeccable credentials first in the class at notre dame law school law clerk to justice scalia law professor at Notre Dame for 20 years, one of the, the most respected federal appellate judges in the country. But, but I'll tell you personally, what I found most impressive was, was her temperament. 
her temperament was was calm. It was cool. It was collected. It's very very scholarly and academic. It's very much a judicial temperament. And and you know you think about her life. A month ago, she she was living a, a fairly quiet life as a law professor and judge in Indiana. She has seven kids. She was a mom, and and now she's in the maelstrom of of Democrats and the attack machine trying to destroy her, trying to destroy her family, slurring her, dragging her through the mud. And and, and I was very impressed by the calm and strength that she had. I think she's going to perform exceptionally well in the confirmation hearings. Let's talk about, uh, you know, look, you know, it's, it's very funny because, you know, before you were a senator, you argued before the Supreme Court. Before you argued before the Supreme Court, you were one of Alan Dershowitz's favorite students and, he, and one of his smartest students. And he said that to me numerous times. But you agree really on not very much politically. Um, this is your passion. This is your love. Now we find ourselves. I mean, you had no idea there'd be a vacancy on the Supreme Court the week of your the release of your book or the week before. Uh, you know, I, I didn't. I, I wrote the book this this spring and this summer, and it was during the whole COVID lockdown where I was working from home, and so I just sat in my living room with my laptop and and wrote it. And and it's the the court has been a lifetime passion for me, the Constitution and Bill of Rights, and so the way the book is structured, each chapter addresses a different constitutional liberty. And so there's a chapter on free speech. There's a chapter on religious liberty. There's a chapter on the Second Amendment. Uh, there's a chapter on U- U.S. sovereignty. There's a chapter on uh, democracy and elections and Bush versus Gore. And, and, and what I do in each of them is, is really tell war stories from cases that I litigated, big landmark cases at the court, uh, virtually all of which are, are five to four. Uh, which means we're one vote away from losing our core liberties. And I try to take people behind the scenes, behind the curtain, to understand the justices and who they are. Now, you're right, I had no idea we'd have a vacancy now, I, well, but, but I did know we had an election coming in November. And I, and I think this is the most important issue in the election, that we have a president who will appoint justices who will preserve the Constitution and Bill of Rights. And, and now with the, with the vacancy and the Judge Barrett, uh, uh, nomination and and I expect confirmation. It's suddenly the single most pressing issue I, I think for everybody. You know, I, I think it is. And you talk about one vote away. What do you think's been going on? Your observation uh, as it relates to John Roberts. It, 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 it's terrible what's been going on with John Roberts. He he has been galloping to the left. Uh, I, I I think Roberts is the new Sandra Day O'Connor and and. Uh, you know, it. it I, I've known Roberts for 25 years. So, so he was a law clerk to Chief Justice Rehnquist. Um, I was also a law clerk to to, to Rehnquist. So we've known each other uh, for a long, long time. He's he's older than I am. He clerked before I did. Uh, but I, I think what's going on fundamentally is he hates Donald Trump. Um, I, I think it is a personal and visceral reaction. It, it's hard to think of two people more antithetical, more opposite than John Roberts and Donald Trump. And, and But unfortunately, what it's re- producing in him is he keeps galloping to the left and voting with, with, with the liberals on the court in, in a way that is undermining the rule of law. And I talk about Roberts quite a bit in the book and, and, and his history, you know, you know, at his confirmation hearing, he used an example that's become famous. He said a judge's job 
is to be like a, a baseball umpire, to call balls and strikes, but not to get in the game. And, and, and John, I think because of his animosity to Trump, he, he is no longer an umpire. He has jumped in the game, he's grabbed a bat, and he is swinging with all his might. And, and, and it is emblematic of what's gone wrong at the court. If you look at uh, somebody like Justice Clarence Thomas, who I just love and admire so much, um, yeah. and Samuel Alito has, has really come into his own, in my humble opinion, uh, and then you, you look at the, the new justices, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, what are your early thoughts on both of them? Well, I agree with you that, that, that Thomas and Alito are giants. They're extraordinary justices. Um, Gorsuch and, and Kavanaugh, it, it, it's too early to, to tell, and, and usually you can measure a justice's tenure in, in decades and not just a year or two. Uh, I think there are warning signs with both of them, and, and, and I, I've got real concerns. Um, for both of those vacancies, I urge the president, uh, actually I, I urge the president to nominate Mike Lee, who I think would be the best choice, and I both publicly and privately urge the president to do that. He made a different choice. Um, I, I worry about, you know, the, the entire final chapter of my book actually focuses on Supreme Court nominees and, and how to get them right and how, to get, how we get them wrong. The Democrats always get this right. I was just going to say, Democrats never get it wrong, Senator. No, yep. Not one time. They always get what they want. Because what happens... It is with other nominees, Republicans, someone goes and says, well, look, this is a stealth candidate. They have no record. They never said anything conservative. But trust me, deep down, they'll be great. And, and that almost yeah, like David Souter. out to be a disaster. Yes. Or, or Sandra right. Day O'Connor. Um, and I agree totally with you. Uh, Ted uh, Cruz is with us, senator from Texas. One vote away, how a single Supreme Court seat can change history. It's on Hannity.com, Amazon.com. Now, as of uh, this week, out in bookstores everywhere. Um, and you're right about one vote away from erasing constitutional freedoms. That is all true, and that's all in, in play. And, and in the case of Amy Coney Barrett, who I like a lot, too. Um, what is your take on the election with 33 days away? You know as well as anybody how hard it is for any Republican to, to win the presidency because you got you got to pretty much run the table to win. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I think the election is incredibly volatile. I'm, I'm worried about it. Um, I, I think the left is energized. They are furious. That they, will, that they hate Donald Trump. E even before the Supreme Court vacancy, they were filled with rage and fury. Now with the Supreme Court vacancy, to, 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 to borrow a line from the movie Spinal Tap, n now it goes to 11. I mean, I mean they're just they're out of their minds. They're, they're, and so... What that means is they're going to show up in huge numbers. As you know, they're raising – they raised $100 million in the first day after Justice Ginsburg passed away. And, and, and that turnout is going to be there. Now, the good news is if we can turn everybody else out, if conservatives show up, if libertarians show up, if just common-sense Americans who believe in, in low taxes and low regulations and lots of jobs, who, who don't want – riots and anarchy in the street, if we show up and vote, we'll win. Um, and, and I actually think the fight over Judge Barrett is incredibly beneficial politically uh, to the president, because I think it will help energize the folks we need to show up. And, and, and I believe we're going to confirm her and do so by the end of the month before Election Day. 
do you do you do you believe if you had to give your best guess? And, you know, remember, when you start out without the electoral votes of New York or New Jersey or Illinois and California or or Washington state or Oregon, that that's a huge electoral advantage yep. for the Democrats. Yep. Do you believe that the president, what do you think the odds are he can get this reelection? I think they're substantial, but what's crazy about the volatility, if come election day people are going back to work and they're optimistic and they're hopeful and they feel good about the future, we could see a great election. I think the president could win by a bigger margin than he won in 2016, and and we could grow our majority in the Senate. I think we could also retake the House and take the gavel out of Nancy Pelosi's hands. That's That's an outcome that I think is entirely possible. On the flip side, if we have more shutdowns in the next month, if there are millions of Americans that are home and alone and unemployed and broke and pissed off, we could see a devastating election. We could see an election where Biden wins, they retake the Senate, and we wake up next year with Biden, Schumer, and Pelosi running the federal government. I don't recall, Sean, in our lifetimes an election with that kind of delta, that kind of volatility, and, and it's why I'm spending every waking moment fighting to turn people out and, and fighting to really make the case well, why this matters. It, listen, you, there's nobody been fighting harder, and I give you all the credit for that. One vote away, how a single Supreme Court seat can change history. Uh, we were talking about the election now in 33 days, Senator. Uh, listen, you you felt the impact of money um, down in Texas, unprecedented amounts of money that were thrown against you by Bozo, um, Robert Francis, and uh, who would be the, the, the gun czar, I guess, of Joe Biden. But you look at these positions. He won't answer if he's going to stack the, or pack the court. He won't answer if he wants to eliminate the Electoral College, uh, D.C. statehood, Puerto Rico statehood. Um, it's obvious to me that this is their plan, or else they say, no, it's not. I, I think you are absolutely right. If they win, I think they'll do all of it. Uh, within, within a couple of weeks, they'll end the filibuster, and I, I'm certain they have the votes for that, which means if they've got the majority, the, the Senate minority can't stop their radical agenda. Uh, I think they will move forward on both making D.C. a state and Puerto Rico a state. And, and, and the reason is crassly, and they're, they're, they're open about it. It's political. They think they'll get four new Democratic senators. So if we start January with 50 Democratic senators, we could end the year with 54 Democratic senators. And they want to entrench their power and hold on to it. And when it comes Is there to any way to go back from that uh, if they do that? Once, once a state is admitted, no, there, there, there really isn't. I mean, it's, there is a serious constitutional argument that they can't make D.C. a state by statute, that it takes constitutional amendment to do it, and, and I expect that will be fought out. But, but once a state is admitted, there, there's no precedent for unwinding it. I mean, if they do it, it's very hard to see that that, that omelet being unscrambled. And, and look... Things could be be surprising. Puerto Rico is a place that 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 there actually is a vibrant Republican Party. It's we would certainly contest it there uh, if it became a state. But the Democrats are doing it because their calculation is they're convinced they get four Democratic senators out of it.
All right, Senator Ted Cruz, always appreciate you being on the program. His brand new book is out, One Vote Away, How a Single Supreme Court Seat Can Change History. Uh, It's on Amazon.com right now, Hannity.com, and uh, just this week released in bookstores around the country. It's a profound book, one that is uh, a must-read. Senator Cruz, thanks as always for being with us, and let's pray for the country because we need it. Thank you, sir. Amen, and thank you for all you do, Sean. appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Senator. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. 25 till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza? Look, it's 33 days and you are the ultimate jury. I cannot emphasize enough that I cannot 33 days out. I will not be able to at any time in the next 33 days tell you 100% what the results are going to be. I expect it to be extraordinarily tight. I expect it to be a fight to the finish. I expect that the the hard left that hates Donald Trump, that the, the ones that were willing to spy on a, a candidate and a transition team and a president, the ones that have smeared, slandered, besmirched, libeled and and have spent every second minute hour of every day trying to destroy this man uh impeach this man if you do not want a biden presidency you if you don't want it if you'd like the country if you prefer i love what matt tower is saying built trump tough if you want a fighting president And you want to support a president. I've never seen one treated so horribly in my life. And you can add to the institutional forces all of these these weak rhino Lincoln Project Republicans or MSDNC Republicans, which is a joke. My attitude is you get Joe Biden, Biden, you broke the country. You you now you own it. You will own the court packing. You'll own the end, the attempted end of the Electoral College. You will own the end of the legislative filibuster. You will own the new Green Deal. You will own amnesty and open borders. You will own energy dependence. You will own higher taxes. You will own activist justices. You will own a weak foreign policy. You will own it all. But we can prevent that. You, the American people, can prevent that. And that's that's what their goal is in the next 33 days. I don't trust them. I don't trust these these late minute rule changes uh, that are being made to to voting laws and vote counting and mail in voting and all. I don't trust any of it. The only thing you know, it was interesting. Rudy was on last night on Hannity and Rudy said, well, when I was running for mayor in a city where Republicans are outnumbered nine to one. I'd ask my campaign people, well, how many how many votes do you think they're going to try and steal? He said, well, you got to figure at least 50 or 100,000. I would assume that, that, you know, so look, it's I'm only one vote here. I am only one person on radio and TV. There are others of us. There's Rush. There's the great one, Mark Levin. He'll join us on Hannity tonight. The president's on Hannity tonight, too. Uh, Laura Ingram. I, I can't mention everybody, but you know who they are. They're great talk show hosts, radio talk show hosts around the country that are telling you the truth. There are great people on TV that are not, we're not many of us is not that are telling you the truth. Now is the time to believe it. Now is the time to make up your mind and decide whether or not you are going to, going to do your part.
This is, I keep saying, it's a tipping point. It's all hands on deck. You know, if you don't get the result that you want, you can't say, I didn't warn you. I, you know, I, I believe me, I didn't want to write live free or die. I did it because I thought the moment called for it. And by the way, thank you for those of you that bought it, you know, because I, I wanted to put it in down in a way that you fully, completely can understand what this will mean for the country. The new Green Deal. This will transform America. America, as we know, it will be unrecognizable if their stated policies are implemented. This is this is a Paul Revere moment. The socialists are coming. This guy is not strong enough to be president. I don't care what anybody says, meaning Joe Biden. Well, Donald Trump fights. Okay, he fought for what? To end the bureaucracy? He's fought to clean out the swamp. He fought for your tax cuts. He fought and made America energy independent for the first time in 75 years. He fought to make America the number one energy producer in the world. He fought and he had to single-handedly fight to get the money to build the wall. Now about over 350 miles of new wall has been built. There'll be over 400 by Election Day. And it'll continue after that. You know, he fought for the Supreme Court justices. How many other presidents would have stuck by Kavanaugh rather than just pack it in and let's go with somebody easier to get you know, through the borking and Clarence Thomasing and now Kavanaughing. You know, now he has another Supreme Court choice. He's fought for trade deals that, yes, better deals with Canada, Mexico, China, Japan, our Western European allies. He fought to take out Soleimani. The caliphate in Syria has been destroyed. Baghdadi and associates are also dead. The al-Qaeda leader in Yemen is dead. He's building up our military, which is which was depleted under Biden-Obama and gutted for the most part. Coronavirus, travel ban, quarantines acted faster than anybody ever dreamed or ever thought even was needed. He was right. Biden was wrong. He cared more about what China thought. If you think that the deep state has been bad and you want to bring justice to the deep state, that will go away if Joe Biden is president it'll all dry it'll all dry out they'll just sweep it all under the rug hunter biden he'll just continue to make millions and millions and millions more with russian oligarchs and kazakh oligarchs and ukrainian oligarchs and chinese nationals russian nationals ukraine national kazakh nationals burisma forget it done he'll just keep getting his checks it's all in your hands i can't do any more than tell you what will happen are we, well, Hannity, what are you going to do? I'm going to keep fighting for the country I love. I'm going to keep fighting for the cause of liberty and the cause of freedom and the great constitutional system and, and, and try and prevent as much damage as they would like to inflict on the country. That's what I always do. But the choice is yours. All right, let's go to, oh, well, we got two callers from Pennsylvania. Why don't we put them on together? Let's put on Kevin in Pennsylvania, Laura in Pennsylvania. Laura, Kevin, how are you? Boy, do we need your state in 33 days. Laura, where are you from? Right. I am from uh, central Pennsylvania, from Williamsport. And Kevin, where are you from in Pennsylvania? Uh, A recent transplant from Florida up to Center County, which is uh, State College, Pennsylvania. Got it. All right, Laura, we'll let you go first. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, yesterday I heard a caller get on and talk about how he was glad that Trump had gotten Biden to admit to 
oh, he's not going to accept the socialist policies. He's not going to accept the Green New Deal. He's the new Democratic Party. Well, I just want people to know that that Biden's only job is to get elected. He's the vanilla candidate. They've chosen a man who has zero record to complain about. He looks like a nice guy, looks like everybody's granddad. And he, if the one thing he's been able to do for 47 years is get elected, he's a professional candidate. Fringe people like Bernie, like AOC, they don't get in the front door. You and I would never vote for them, but they will put up somebody who promises to appoint them, which he does. He is the gateway to bringing socialists into our government. Don't be fooled. And secondly, I want the president to focus on his accomplishments. He should stand proud and talk about all the wonderful things he's done for America and for Americans. The wall, how does that protect us? The economy. I know so many people that couldn't afford to buy a house before Trump and were able to buy their first house under Trump. I mean, the military, making our military proud, protecting our veterans, all of these wonderful things he's done. He needs to focus on that and stand proud and shout it out. And if he can bring that home to the American people... They're going to vote for him. Yesterday on one of the financial channels, they even had the guy, he's a B, the BET founder, Bob Johnson, African-American guy. And the young guy journalist asked him, so do you mind telling me who you're going to vote for? Have you decided? Surprisingly, he said, I'm voting for Trump. And the reason I'm voting for Trump is because I know what I'm getting. I was better off under Trump. My life was better. I have no idea what Biden's doing. He has no. Uh, by the way, neither does he. Right. All right. Stay right there, Laura. I want to make yeah. sure we have time to get Kevin in from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Your uh, your fellow uh, Pennsylvanian. <laughs> What's going on, Kevin? Uh, Sean, first of all, thank you. Thank you for making really sense and sense out of all the nonsense out there. And I am so, so proud of our president. Uh, you know, that a debate on, on Tuesday it was better than any pay-for-view event I've ever seen. I mean, this country, I mean, has always been defined. The country we love and have, have lived is always been defined by our fighters, not by our weakness. And that debate showed me that we have a super heavyweight champion in the ring against a featherweight. You know, I mean, I, I, I've got to be honest. Let me say this to both of you, and, and maybe it's how I grew up. I mean, it, it wasn't like when with when my kids were young. I never I never allowed them out of my sight or out of the sight of somebody that I knew and trusted. Um, I'd, I'd get off the school bus, and I'd be out with my friends, and we'd be either playing stickball, basketball, baseball, hockey, yeah. whatever we happen to be playing. Uh, we fought almost daily, and I mean physical, you know, fist-thrown kind of fighting. I, You know, I know that's not allowed today. I mean, I even raised my own kids. Don't raise a hand to anybody ever, different times. Um, I thought we liked, you know, the warriors in, in football and admired these tough guys, you know, that put their bodies in harm's way, you know, to play this gladiator sport that we all love and admire their athleticism. Uh, the same with the octagon, which happens to be my favorite, or... Or ice hockey, you know, occasionally hockey breaks out instead of a fight. But, you know, everybody, every time I went to a hockey game, they liked when when there was a fight. Um, and I just, you know, the idea that we're, we've now become, you know, this woke 
um, oh, so, so offended. You know, oh, my gosh, oh, my feel my widow feelings are hurt. I mean, I guess based on these new rules, you can't even watch Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. I'll get that wascally wabbit. You know, he's shooting guns into rabbit holes. Uh, you know, it's it's insane to me, you know, that he's a little flower and he can and coming from people that have been viciously lying and cruel and spreading conspiracy theories. Look, Laura and Kevin. You are the heart and soul of this country. Pennsylvania could very well decide this election. All I can say is the stakes could never be higher for this country. I'll give you all a quick last word. Laura. Okay, so, you know, talking about the, uh, you know, worrying about the aggressiveness, it's just part of the mean guy. He's the mean orange guy. And isn't Joe Biden nice? Again, vote for our guy. He didn't hurt anybody and he's nice. Vote for him. And that's what they're pushing. Last word, Kevin, quick. And, and Sean, again, we I am so proud of this president. And we met then Vice President Joe Biden back in 2016, my son and I. And in fact, my son had a quick meet and greet with him. He even gave him a little stuffed toy, his a little stuffed animal of his German Shepherd champ. And nowhere is that man that we met in 2016 the same individually mentally that we see today. In fact, if he was in the condition he is today, back in 2016, the Democrats would have been getting rid of him. I mean, we, we had some... Listen, I mean, uh, I, 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 everybody's talking about it, but nobody wants to say it publicly. Again, you know what it is? It's the mob and the media. They're just covering for him. Anyway, thank you both. Uh, Pennsylvania, we need you in 33 days. We'll be paying very close attention. I don't like what's going on there either. Oh, every ballot thrown out by the military happened to be a Trump vote. Oh, some sure was just an innocent uh, accident. This, these types of things don't happen, they're telling us. All right, uh, the president will be on Hannity tonight. The great one, Mark Levin, tonight. Carl Rove tonight. Uh, we got a lot to get to. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. All right, a busy Hannity tonight. We will be joined by the president of the United States. We'll get his thoughts on the debate, the, the state of the campaign, with only 33 days till you are the ultimate jury. Hope you'll set your DVR. We'll also get analysis uh, from the great one, Mark Levin, Carl Rove, and his whiteboards, and all you need to know. Best election coverage available on radio and television. Set your DVR, Hannity Tonight, with the president, 9 Eastern, on the Fox News Channel. See you then. Thanks for being with us.